We're in uh, part two of our Holy Spirit series. And I got to tell you, the problem, let me tell you the problem with this series. The problem with this series is there's too much to talk about. There's just so much. It's, it's, my challenge on a weekly basis is not what am I going to talk about. It's what am I going to not talk about. What am I going to edit out of this sermon so that I can convey a point. So there's a lot of stuff about the Holy Spirit that we're going to be exploring over the next few weeks. So I do encourage you and I challenge you come back and, and, and learn more and, and gain more. Because this can be a transformative topic. This can be a transformative series for you if you really embrace uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's what I want to focus on today. It's the passage that you see up there. It's Acts 1-8 where Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many of you know you need a little bit more power in your life to accomplish the things that God has put in front of you? We all need more power. And so today I want to title this sermon, Personal Power for a Divine Purpose. Personal Power for a divine purpose. And as I was thinking about this series and trying to contemplate both teaching the, teaching the lesson about the Holy Spirit and honoring women in our congregation, I, I was just thinking about all sorts of different themes and my mind sort of went back to the story, to the events that are familiar with probably most of us here. Uh, that, that Thursday evening on December 1st, a cold December night in 1955 in the city of Montgomery, Alabama, there was a woman, a 42-year-old uh, seamstress, five foot, three inches, 120 pounds, soaking wet, came out from her job and was headed towards a city bus so that she could get home and uh, get dinner ready and, and have a nice evening. Uh, many of you know the story. She came to a city bus in Montgomery. She got on the bus. In those days, the buses were divided. Uh, there was a white section and there was a so-called colored section in the back of the bus. She went towards the back and she sat in the front row of the colored section. And uh, she was tired from a hard day work and sat down. And, and when she was interviewed about this day, she said, you know, her mind was really thinking about Christmas, thinking about the nice evening that she was about to have with her husband. And there, there was decorations in the city of Montgomery. And she was just sort of enjoying the, the bus ride home. As the bus navigated through the city, it began to fill up. And finally, it pulled over at one point, And the bus driver came back, and you all know the story, told her, as well as three other African-American bus riders on the bus, I need you guys to get up and move to the back of the bus. The three other riders reluctantly complied with this demand, but this little seamstress, this 42-year-old, five-foot-three-inch, 120-pound woman said, no, I will not get up and move to the back of the bus. What a lot of people don't know is that this was not the first interaction between these two people. Uh, the, the first interaction between Rosa Parks and this bus driver, a man named James Frank, happened 12 years earlier. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, she had gotten on a bus driven by him in Montgomery 12 years earlier. And he had told her at that time she had paid her fare. And he told her, I want you to get off the bus and re-enter in the back of the bus. And so not knowing what else to do it was frustrating, but she had to comply. She got off the bus and began to walk to the rear entrance of the bus. And James Frank pulled off and took off and left her standing on the curb, humiliated, uh, standing on the street corner there in Montgomery. 
So she made a decision. I'm not going to get back on a bus driven by that particular bus driver. And so for 12 years, 12 years, anytime she, before she got on a bus, she would look to see who the driver was. And if it was him, she would just wait for another bus or she would walk to where she wanted to go. She wasn't going to get on a bus driven by this individual. So that night, however, she was tired and she didn't notice, she didn't realize that she was getting on the same bus that was driven by the same driver. So when he came back and said, I want you to get up and move to the back of the bus, she just at that moment decided, I'm not going to do that. I've already, I've already been uh, humiliated and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay right where I am. Um, the eyewitnesses of the account say that then the, the other three folks got up and went to the back of the bus and the, the driver said to her, are you going to stand up? And she said, no, I am not. And then he said, well, I'm going to have you arrested then. And Rosa Parks said, well, then you'll just have to do that. And that's exactly what happened. And that little moment of, of power, that little moment of courage, that little moment of Righteous defiance catalyzed the civil rights movement in our country. Uh, it was that moment that actually began to actually really catalyze what was happening with all of the movement that was going on uh, in the South and in other places. The question that I have when I learn about this story and read about this story is, what gave her the courage? What gave her the strength? What gave her the power in that moment to make that decision, to make the decision towards what was right, to make the decision towards what was just, to make the decision towards the right thing. What gave her the power? Because it wasn't her personal power. She didn't have any personal power. She wasn't a woman of means. She didn't have um, you know, a, 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 an education, the PhD. She didn't have, she didn't have uh, social power. She didn't have any of that. But what gave her the power to say, I'm going to do the thing that's right. The question that I have for you today is, what is the source of your power? Because every single one of us need more power in our life to make the decisions that we need to make, to make the kinds of decisions that God wants us to make if we're going to fulfill his purpose, if we're going to overcome evil and pursue good, if we're going to overcome temptation and pursue justice. Some of y'all need power in your life today just to get through the day. You need power to, to, to make it through the craziness of the online dating uh, app that you're trying to find your soulmate on. You need some power to help you through that. You need some power to, to, to weather and to fight for a marriage that is under strain and stress today. Some of you need power to raise your kids when you've got so many other things going on and there are so many other voices going on, so many other influences, and you need power. Some of you need power to get through the next semester because it's hard and it's tough and it's not easy for you to make it through. And you need some power to get through that. Some of you need some power to get through a breakup that you recently experienced and it hurts. Some of you need power to weather the diagnosis that you received or somebody that you love received and you need God's power to get you through that. Some of you need power to, to have mercy and to have goodness in the face of somebody who is mistreating you. Some of you need power to hold out hope for somebody else who is struggling. All of us today, if you are honest with yourself, need more power. We all need power. What I find to be interesting is that Jesus 
at the very end of his ministry on earth, the very last, not just the last day, not just the last hour, the very last second that he was on earth. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because he was getting ready to leave. He was getting ready to leave his disciples. He had been the source of their power. And he said, I'm getting ready to leave, but you're going to need power in order to accomplish what I've called you to accomplish. So I'm going to have power sent to you by the Father through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have, you're going to need power and I'm going to send you power. So what I want to do today is I want to read this passage uh, from the book of Acts. It's the very beginning of the book of Acts. And I want to read you what he says, because I believe that if you will experience and receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, it will be transformative for you, not in one area of your life, in every area of your life. So let me read this passage and you can read along on the screen or you can use your Bible app or your Bible if you have it with you. Here's what the scripture says. Acts chapter one, it says, in my former book, Theophilus. Now I want to pause right there. I'm not going to stop at every comma and commentate on every comma, but let me just stop right there to give you some context. This is uh, the second volume of a two, a two volume book. The first volume is a gospel called Luke. This, this, this particular book, the book of Acts was written by an evangelist named Luke. He was a medical doctor and he was writing, uh, he wrote two volumes. The first volume was to tell you about what Jesus did on the earth the activity of Jesus when he was on the earth physically. The second volume, the book of Acts, is to tell you what the Holy Spirit did on the earth, the activity of the Holy Spirit after Jesus left. And so he's writing to somebody named Theophilus. The truth is nobody knows. Scholars have spilled a lot of ink to try to figure out who's Theophilus. But what I like to think about is Theophilus actually means beloved by God. Theo means God. Philios means love, which he's saying in this opening, hey, dear, beloved by God, which I'm going to take him that as writing to me. And he's writing to you because you and I are beloved by God. So he says, in my former book, the book of Luke, beloved by God, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. I wrote that in my last book. After his suffering, he says, he presented himself to them his disciples, and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. In other words, he ate with them. He talked with them. He you know, spent time with them. He gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus did after his resurrection. He hung out with his disciples for 40 days and talked about the kingdom of God. That's what he did, in case you were curious about what, that, what happened in that, in that time period. On one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is what Jesus said. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. I'm, I'm talking about a gift that I've told you about before. You've heard me talk about this gift. He said this, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if I'm listening to Jesus and he says this to me, my questions are like, okay, who's that? What's that? What's that going to be like? Who's he? What, you know, I want to know about the Holy Spirit. But the disciples in this moment did what a lot of us do from time to time. They were so caught up in their own agenda that they weren't thinking about God's assignment for their life. 
They were so caught up in their own plans that they weren't hearing the purpose that God had for their life. Some of us today, we get sidetracked with our own small agenda that we have for our life and we miss out on the bigger picture that God has for us. He's got an assignment that's bigger than the assignment that we have for ourselves. He's got a purpose that's bigger for your life than the purposes that you have and the plans that you have for yourself. So he says, I'm gonna pour out my Holy Spirit Their response is interesting. They said this. They gathered around him. They didn't ask about the Holy Spirit. They asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, what they're asking here is the same dumb thing they've been asking for the last, like, four weeks to Jesus. Jesus, are you going to, like, kick out the Romans, become king, and make me, you know, your royal court? Am I going to be your nobleman and your duke? That's what they're asking. Are you going to do the thing that we've been wanting you to do the whole time? And the whole time, Jesus has been going, stop talking about that. I'm not doing that. I'm not, that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing something way bigger than that, right? So, but they can't get it. They can't figure it out because they're focused on their own deal. If you're trying to run your own game with God, if you're trying to get power from God to run your own agenda, it's not, let me just tell you, it's, he doesn't give you power for your purpose. He gives you power for his purpose, okay? So they gathered around. Are you going to do what we want you to do? I love his response. This is the Brent Rome translation. None of your business, he said. Um, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. I'm not talking about that, he said. We're not talking about that. And I'm not going to tell you that. I'm not going to give you the power to figure out things that apply only to you. I'm giving you the power to do things that apply to me and to my kingdom and to my purpose and to my, 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 my agenda on the planet, my vision for what the world's going to be like. Because I want to invite you into that because that's a lot bigger and a lot better than the thing that you, little mud pie that you have planned for yourself. So he says this, okay, I'm not telling you that, but here's what I am telling you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the last thing he said. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. After this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid them from, hid him from their sight. Poof, he's gone. You'll receive power, I'm out. That's basically what happened. Here's what I'm going to do for you today. This is your, my Mother's Day gift to you. I'm going to give you a one-point sermon. Come on, somebody. Say amen. All right. Here's your one point, and you need to write this down because you need to carry this with you. You need to put this on your refrigerator. Put it on your, uh, on your uh, rear view mirror. Uh, the main objective of the Holy Spirit is to give you personal power for a divine purpose. If you have any question about the Holy Spirit, there's a lot for us to learn about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot for us to discover about the Holy Spirit. The main thing that the Holy Spirit is intending to do, aiming to do, is to give you personal power for a divine purpose. In my house, we've got three boys, one girl, and the three boys are positively obsessed with the topic of superpowers. Superpowers. It's all they talk about. They talk about superpowers. They want to they compare superpowers. They talk about superheroes. And all the different powers that they have. And which power is better. And which superhero is better. And which one is stronger. And a lot of times conversations will kick off around the kitchen table like this. Dad, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? 
And I say, my superpower would be ceasing all discussions about superpowers, is what I would do. I would have that power. No, uh, they're like, what would it be? And then, then we start talking about the superpowers. And they're talking about super strength, super speed, uh, x-ray vision, flight, uh, 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 telekinesis, teleportation, uh, time travel. I mean, they've got all of these things. And Jameson's very particular. He's like, I just want you to know that the teleportation and time travel are two different things. Okay, teleportation will take you from one location to another, but time travel will take you from one time period to another. So if you want to go to a different time and to a different place, you're going to need teleportation and time travel. You're going to need those together. I'm like, I got it. All right, I'll take them both. I won't just take one, I'll take them both. So, and then we talk about all this and, you know, and they just talk and talk and talk about it, right? So Jameson, actually, he's 10 years old. He decided that it would be, it would behoove our family for him to do a, a relatively extensive and somewhat intrusive psychological test on all of the family members to determine what our superpower would be based upon our personality type. So after weeks of undergoing uh, his scrutiny, um, it turns out that my superpower is uh, pyrokinesis, which is the power to control fire. And I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to make a preacher connection there. It's like I'm trying to keep people out of fire. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, but anyway, um, bad preacher joke. But anyway, so Lincoln on his own decides to show me what my super, because they're working together, what my superhero will look like. I promise you, he literally plopped this down on my desk last night. Un, unprompted. This is me. This is my superpower. I am the fire starter. And I feel like that's a fairly good likeness. And so, anyway, you can take that down. Um, so we can keep going. Now, my wife is not into super, like, I'm not into superpowers either. Not my thing. My wife is even less into it than I am. She does not care about this. She's not into this topic. But because she is a devoted, loving, committed mother, she is going to play along. And so she is going to talk about superheroes. She will even sometimes put on like a cape and a mask and she will become a superhero in the house. She will play superheroes with the kids. Last summer, um, she was, she was, we were on vacation and, you know, uh, I think it was Augustine at that time was really wanting to play superheroes. And so she's playing superheroes and she played superheroes actually to the point of exhaustion. And the reason I know that is because, and this is, this is a bona fide fact, because that night when I came into our bedroom and, and on vacation, this is what I discovered. This was the scene. <laughs> That is real, people. I actually, I put that on Facebook, and then I waited for eight hours for the hammer to drop um, while she slept it off. Okay, take that one off too. Okay, good. I live to tell the tell. But, but that's just how committed of a mom she is. What I find interesting about this sort of obsession with superpowers, I have a theory. My theory is that children are interested in superpowers because children recognize their own helplessness. And they begin to think about and dream about, wouldn't it be great if there was a power outside of me that would give me power to uh, have control over the circumstances that seem so oppressive and weighty on my life. Children are told when to get up. Children are told what to eat, when to eat, where to eat. Children are told when to, school, when to go to school, why to go to school, how to go to school. They're shuffled from class to class. They're brought home. They're told when to 
eat dinner, what to eat dinner, what to dress like. They have, no, they have very little control over their life, which is why I think they go, you know what, wouldn't it be great if I had teleportation and telekinesis and I could throw fire and I could do all that? I mean, that, that, that's my theory. And the other sort of part of that is I believe that our circumstances are not that far from their circumstances. All of us know that there are things in our life that sometimes seem to be outside of our control and that are weightier than we can bear. And we all need a little more power in our life. You see, here's the reality. There is a gap. And I don't care if you're a Christian for a thousand years or you just walked in for the very first time. This is your first time in a church. There is a gap between your intentions and your actions. There's a gap. There's a gap between what you want to be able to accomplish, what you strive to accomplish, what you hope to accomplish, and what you're actually accomplishing right now. There's a gap. And the only two ways to close that gap, the first one is lower your expectations, right? So, okay, well, I just, I'm going to expect less of my life, right? And that way I won't be disappointed. Option number two is gain more power. Get the power of the Holy Spirit in your life in order to pursue the things that he's calling you to pursue, in order to overcome the evil that you are called to overcome, in order to pursue the plans and the purposes and the destiny that he has for you. Those are your two options. Either lower your expectations or get more power. And guess what Jesus wants you to do? He says, look, I want you to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in order for you to become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the, wor the world. And if we have any confusion about what he means by power, you can look at the Greek word that is translated here, power. It, the word is dunamis. It's a Greek word. And it means power, force, might, ability, ability efficacy, energy. You, know, you might notice that the root word here is the same word from which we get the word dynamite. When Jesus is talking about power, he's talking about power. He says, I want you to have power. I want you to experience power. In, I, want, I want you to have the power to, to, to experience love in your relationships. I want you to have the power to experience real peace in your home. I want you to have the power to experience real joy in your work. I want you to have the power to experience real faithfulness in times of chaos. I want you to have the power to experience real love when you're facing your enemy. I want you to have the kind of power that will allow you to transcend your own abilities, to transcend your own strength, and experience the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can accomplish things that are greater than yourself. That's the kind of power that he wants you to have. How many of you want that kind of power in your life? Is anybody beside me? See, I actually, I feel like myself and other people, sometimes I, I feel like we are not reaching our potential. I really feel this way. And I, maybe this is a flaw, but when I see other people, and maybe this is part of who I am as a pastor, when I see people, I see potential. I see what God can do through them. I see that. I look at people and I go, there's a, there's, there's a young man that I've, been, that I've been working with recently. He's got so much potential, I can't even stand it. I want him to experience the power of God in his life because he's stuck. 
He's stuck on stuff. He's stuck in old habits and old practices and old stuff. He needs to be, he needs to, that needs to be broken and he needs to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in his life so he can become the man that God has called him to be. And it's the same with you and it's the same with me. We need God's power in our life in order to actually fulfill the purposes that he has for us. We need personal power for a divine purpose. Personal power. So how do we get that? How do we begin to experience that? How do we actually integrate that in our lives? I'm going to just go quickly through this because I don't want to keep you. Number one is this. We talked about this last week. Ask. This is too simple. Wait, God, that's just way too easy. I need a, I need a 14 point, you know, uh, sermon on this. No, ask him. Ask him. Last week I talked about that, that very embarrassing moment when I was stuck beyond, under a, on a bench uh, barbell and I couldn't get out because I had too much weight on me and I was too stubborn to ask for help. Jesus says, ask. Ask and you shall receive. Listen to what he, listen, here's how he taught it. Here's how he put it. He put it like this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? You're not going to do that. Which of you fathers, if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? You're not going to do that. If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who, come on, to those who ask him? Somebody today, literally, your step in this process is to go, Holy Spirit, fill my heart, fill my life, give me strength, give me power. I got stuff I need to overcome. I got things that I need to pursue. I got purposes in my life that you have for me. I just need your power. Will you please give it to me? Thank you. Amen. And that's it. That's what you need. After you ask, number two, accept. There's a difference between asking and accepting. We, we ask for a lot of stuff, but sometimes we don't like the package it comes in. You know what I mean? Have you ever asked for patience? God does not give you a golden bag of patience. He gives you opportunities to develop patience. Impatient opportunities to develop patience. If you ask for a relationship, God does not plop Prince Charming or Princess Charming down in front of you on a white horse. It's not real. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. What he does is he gives you opportunities to strengthen and develop your ability to relate to other people. If you ask for financial blessing, you don't get a bag of gold on your desk. You get opportunities to learn about giving and saving and working. And you get opportunities to learn what it means to have and develop those gifts that you are seeking. Sometimes we ask for the gift, but we reject the gift when we see the package that it comes in. When the FedEx man comes, I ordered something this, last, this week from Amazon. I would like this thing delivered to me. That was my ask. FedEx man came to give it to me. And he said, well, you got to sign. I'm giving it to you. You got to sign for it. You got to receive it. You got to accept it. Here's what Jesus said real quick. But as many, John 1, as many as received him, to those he gave power to become the sons of God. Some of you today just receive what God has for you, will you? Stop fighting him. Stop fighting him. Stop fighting the Holy Spirit in your life. Stop fighting the, the power of God in your life. Stop trying to run down your own agenda. When are you going to do the kingdom of God? When am I going to be the royal courtier in your, you know, in your royal court? Stop. Receive the Holy Spirit in your life. Accept the power of God in your life. Last one is this. Align with his purpose. Align with it. He won't give you the power to run your game 
He's not going to do that. That's what he told his disciples. He said, please stop talking about your agenda. I have a bigger agenda for you. I want you to align your plan with my purpose. When you align your plan with my purpose, you'll have all the power you need to accomplish whatever it is that you need in every area of your life. Align your plan with my purpose. One year after Rosa Parks stood her ground on that bus in Montgomery, the Supreme Court ruled it illegal to discriminate on the basis of race on those Montgomery City buses. One, one, one year later, one year later, one act of power, one act of power and courage and strength impacted millions of people. One act. One act. Why? Because she had power. Where did she get the power? Where did it come from? How did you get the power at five foot three, 120 pounds soaking wet? There's an armed bus driver who's already mistreated you that you've avoided for 12 years. There's a system in place that is crushing you. How do you get the power to stand up to that? She said this when she was interviewed. She said, I felt a determination cover my body like a quilt on a winter night. She said, I felt a light suddenly shine through the darkness. Where did it come from? Where did the power come from, Rosa? Every day before supper and before we went to services on Sundays, my grandmother would read the Bible to me and my grandfather would pray. Prayer and the Bible, she said, became a part of my everyday thoughts and beliefs. I learned to put my trust in God and to seek Him as my strength. Where'd the power come from? It came from Him. It came from the power of the Holy Spirit in your life when you say, okay, I want to receive your power. Here's the reality. I want you to get this. Every one of you who are followers of Jesus have that power in you now. You are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's in you. He is in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. But we got to access that power in order to pursue his purpose. We got to access the power that is within us for his divine purpose. Some of you need some more power. You've got the power. You've got the power. Now ask God to activate that power in your life. Right? Access it. Use it. I'm going to give you last verse. This is it. The Spirit of God, Romans 8, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. He already lives in you. The Spirit of God, the Ruach of God, the Pneuma of God, the breath of the Spirit, the wind of the Spirit lives in your heart. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Living within you. He's already there. Today, I just want to invite every single one of you to ask, to accept, to align your life with God's purpose and God's plan so he can give you personal power for a divine purpose. Personal power for a divine purpose. Would you stand with me? I want to close in prayer. And I I would love for each and every one of you to take the hands of the people on your right and left And we're going to just pray together collectively as a family and seek the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives individually and collectively because when a group of people 
experience the power of the Holy Spirit together, nothing can stop that group of people. Nothing can stop God's people from pursuing His purpose and His plan, His vision for our city, for our community, when we allow His Holy Spirit to to enter into our hearts and give us the kind of strength that allows us to, to go far beyond our own capacity, our own ability, our own efficacy, and to and to receive His power to achieve what He's called us to achieve. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room that they would receive the power of your Spirit in their life that we collectively would receive the power of your spirit in our lives so that we can pursue your divine purpose. Help us to lay aside our agenda and pursue your assignment. Help us to lay aside our plans and pursue your purpose. Help us to go after you, God, with everything we've got. Help us to allow the obstacles and, and, and the walls in our heart and our life to be broken down, that our life might be filled to overflowing with your spirit, that it might be true of us what you say uh, of those filled with the spirit that out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water not only for our own experience God but it'll pour out of us onto the streets and across the city and across the country and across the world the power of your spirit to bring people and God together in love let us experience your power God to pursue your purpose that we might be witnesses of you in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth that we might pursue your purpose God by your power in our life Do it. Let it be sealed. Let it be done. Today, we pray to your honor, to your power, to your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Have an awesome week. God bless you. See you next Sunday.